Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to HPAC On The Air, the monthly podcast of HPAC Engineering Magazine. I'm Rob McManamy, Editor-in-Chief of HPAC Engineering, and we're recording this episode right before the holidays, but it will be our first episode of 2024. And for that, we are thrilled to kick off the new year with our first guest, Richard Branch, Chief Economist for the Dodge Construction Network, our industry's oldest and most experienced data analyst and market forecaster. Incredibly, the firm has been at this since it was first started by F.W. Dodge more than 130 years ago in 1891. So Dodge was already crunching industry numbers for nearly 40 years before HPAC Engineering even began publishing in 1929, 95 years ago. Now, for his part, Mr. Branch is now in his 10th year at Dodge, where he leads the prolific and growing economics group that monitors continuous data on construction starts and maintains the monthly Dodge Momentum Index among many other things. And the Dodge Momentum Index is a, a measure designed to be forward-looking and predictive of where our industry is headed. Now, toward that end, every November now for the last 85 years, Dodge has released its annual construction outlook forecast for the coming year. And that is what brings Mr. Branch to us today. So, uh, Mr. Branch, welcome. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Yes, thank, thanks so much. Um, and, and thanks for joining us. Uh, today, we, we know it's, it's your busy season uh, with forecasting, and also we feel honored to have you. Uh, before we dive into some of the details of that of the new forecast, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, about yourself and Dodge Construction Network? Sure. Yeah, you, you stole a little bit of my thunder there, talking about the <laughs> about the Dodge history, but but you hit the nail on the head. Um, maybe maybe start with a Dodge overview, what we do and what we do in the forecasting group, and then a little bit about myself if that works. Um, so you, you pointed out that, that Dodge as a company has been around for, for well over 100 years. And, and essentially what we do at Dodge is we're tracking construction projects from their earliest germination in planning all the way through till they're breaking ground, and, and which is what we call a start. So not only are we tracking the physical attributes of those projects, where it is, what it, what kind of building it is, how big it is, how expensive it is. We're tracking who's working on the project, who wants to work on the project, as well as what products are being spec'd in those projects. So it's a huge sandbox of data that, that we get to play in. And, and just to give you a little perspective on that, in, in terms of every month, we're entering well uh, over several thousand new projects in our database every month. So what I do is, as the chief economist here, is essentially lead our market sizing uh, part of the business. And, and what we're forecasting is whether these construction verticals like office or single fam or roads or streets or bridges are going to grow or contract in the year to come. And actually, our forecast goes out over five years. And essentially, we're serving as a strategic partner for our clients. We're essentially giving them that roadmap of where we think the economy is going to go and where we think the construction sector will go with it. We forecast across 22 different verticals from res, non-residential building and infrastructure from the national level all the way down to the 3,000 and some odd counties in the United States. So it, it's an expansive product. It's an expansive set of data um, that I am fortunate enough to, 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 to get to play with every day and work with. And, and uh, hey. I've actually been with Dodge now 13 years. Uh, all of that in in the forecasting group, and um, it's a tremendous honor and privilege to be a part of that legacy. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, our 85th outlook that we had in November. And then one of the things I love to do 
when we're in our Bedford office and we have Bedford, Massachusetts office and we have clients over as I, I open up the archive and I pull out our first construction forecast from 1929. It, it, it's just an, I won't tell you what that forecast said about 1930, but, <laughs> but again, to be part of that legacy is, is just such an amazing, uh, amazing honor for me. That's what revisions are for, right? With the, uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And updates, but, uh, well, yeah, and, I, and continuing, I guess, with some of that historical spec perspective, I mean, as as unique as as those early years were, the last few years of with the pandemic and and domestic and international, you know, political tumult of one way or another has been pretty extraordinary. Um, so, how would you say what, what's it been like to try to forecast in, in a climate like that? It, it's not been easy. Uh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> But, but uh, you know, as I, as I think about it, and I think you just used the word extraordinary, and that really, I think, is a great word to use. Because as, as, as we look back over previous economic cycles, right, whether it's the Great Recession, whether it's the tech bubble burst, whether it's the 80s, the 70s, because we have this long data set of history, as I look back on this, the issues that we're facing now, maybe not the exact issues, but the questions we're asking ourselves and the questions we're asking of the data haven't really changed much, right? We're, 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 we're essentially questioning how these statistical relationships match up. And I'll give you a couple of examples of, of one from the past and how and one from right now. If you go back to the Great Recession, we were questioning our, the, the linkage between retail construction and retail sales broke apart because of e-commerce, right? So that statistical model broke and we had to adjust it and change. We're seeing the same thing now as it relates to remote and hybrid work, changing how we look at the office market. So as I think about the sector here and, and what causes these downturns is essentially it leads to an evolution in the construction market. And in that way, it hasn't this this current cycle isn't really different, right? This is just another evolution in the construction sector. I do think though, what's different about this last couple of years, starting with the pandemic to now, is a lot of those risks that we're talking about, especially on the, the geopolitical side, are harder to predict and harder to quantify. You know, whether it's Israel, Hamas. Ukraine, Russia, China, Taiwan, even political risk here at home. And what I mean by risk there is, is whether Congress will pass the appropriation bills before the end of the year to fund infrastructure construction in, in 2024. Those episodes, these current episodes that we're trying to see our way through, if, if I could talk about my feelings for a little bit here, those situations or those 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 points seem much more, they feel much more acute than what we've seen in past cycles. Yeah, I, I would, I would think so. And it's, it's, uh, um, yeah, I, I would think it's got to be tough to to try to predict the future in, in a climate like this, um, on, on so many levels, as you, as you just said there. Um, and but I guess, but 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 even so, you you have tried to predict the future a little bit for 2024. So I, I know you just had your. Uh, the big events in, in November with the forecast, and I know that I think there's an ebook out there that uh, that's yep. available, and we'll 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 uh, cue our readers in a little bit to, our, and our listeners how to how to get uh, how to get access to that. But uh, yeah, so let's just get into some of the specifics of what yep. you foresee for for 2024 in our uh, in our industry. 
let's maybe take a step back before we talk about 24 and talk about how the market played out in 2023. Sure. Table right for where Mm -hmm. we think moves in, in, in the new year. If we look back on 2023, I, I would say the sector really bifurcated in a very significant way. On one side of the plate, we had public construction and public cons- publicly funded construction and publicly funded construction did rather well last year. The other side of that was the private side of the market, whether that's in res or whether that's in public or private buildings, didn't do well and suffered quite a bit. As we think about how that's going to change in 2024, I don't see that narrative shifting too, too much. I continue to think that the public side of the market will outgrow the private side. And and maybe let's go forward from here and break that discussion in two and start with public. If we look at the public sectors, the, the dollars flowing from the Infrastructure Act are coursing into the system and, and causing double-digit growth across most of our infrastructure categories, whether it's uh, highways, bridges, water, sewer, really tremendous opportunity there in the infrastructure markets. Those public dollars, though, spread beyond just infrastructure, right? If you look at the Mm -hmm. CHIPS, you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, in 2022 and in 2023, we saw, well, 2022 is a record level in manufacturing construction in our data. 2023 looks like it's just coming in maybe four to 5% lower than it was in 2022. So those public dollars are flowing into that market as well, supporting construction. When you look beyond infrastructure, when you look beyond manufacturing, but staying in public, Lab construction, which is part of our education sector, is doing rather well. K through 12 construction is doing well. And healthcare, another public sector, also performing rather nicely. So again, I think the public sector really will continue to outgrow and and provide a lot of opportunity for for folks in the sector. The the sticky wicket, though, is is more on the private side of the market. But I do think as, as we look at the data, and you mentioned the Dodge Momentum Index, which tracks um, non-residential projects, whether they're public or private, when they first enter those early stages of planning. So it has an architect, it has a GC, but it has some broken ground. When we look at the DMI, it's uh, very strong. It's, it's at a very high level and very stable. So that gives us hope that, especially on the private side of the market, that we're going to see growth in 2024. I think that starts with residential. We're looking at small gains, you know, not robust gains in single fam and multifam in 2024. But that inflection point, we think, in single fam has already happened and that momentum is building. We think multifamily joins the party in 2024. So that's a big change in tonality for construction after two years of decline in the residential sector. So that's a big positive. Small gain, but a gain and a positive is a positive and we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Look at the traditional income property types. So these are your hotels, retail, warehouse, office that's still a little mixed, right? I, when you look at retail and hotel, we think those markets will be very solid in 2024. Uh, retail feeding off the residential growth uh, and hotels feeding off this continued revenge travel and the fact that hotel fundamentals are in really solid shape. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll throw centers in there as well. We track data centers under the office sector as a standalone mm-hmm. Data center construction is, is really solid. But we need to draw the line there and the curtain needs to come down. And when we look at new office construction and warehouse activity 
2024, we continue, we think the market continues to contract next year. So certainly still winners and losers in 2024, but I think what separates that there's, there's going to be more winners than losers in 2024. And that's very different from 2023. When you total the whole market up, so res, non-res building and infrastructure, 2023, we're looking at 1% growth for total construction. 2024, we're looking at 7%. So a much more positive market, we think, next year. Certainly good to hear. And, and I guess a remarkable undercurrent of all that is that uh, the um, the recession never showed up, right? Or, or I mean, I know there's been, there was much talk about it for over a year now, if not two years, I guess. And it have, have we dodged that bullet, I guess? Uh, not, not to use dodge as a pun, I guess, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I'm afraid to answer that because as soon as I answer it, something bad will happen. So, right, uh, right. but I, but I will answer. You're right. You know, the, the, the world, the press has spent much of the last 12 to 18 months thinking recession. And, and we were never in that camp. If, if we go back a year, year and a half ago, we've been pretty consistent in saying that, that the U S economy would avoid recession in 2023. And then it looks like that's turning out to be the case. Of course, as we look forward here, the chances of recession in 2024, they're not zero, right? When we think about that geopolitical risk that we commented on earlier, um, you know, for example, if we saw energy prices spike up because of an expansion in, in the, 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 the war in the Middle East, that could certainly be a recession-inducing event. So those odds are not zero of a recession, but I think they are significantly reduced from what we were talking about in, in, in 2023. And I think what's part of, of that reduction in those odds of recession is how we view the Fed and where we think interest rates will grow. Uh, we think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Hey, right, the, uh, in, uh, I think they were having their meeting today about whether or not they were gonna, this was maybe the last uh, pulse check of the year if they were gonna be raising interest rates. Right, and and I think they're done. Um, I think they're they're sitting out for 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 this cycle. Uh, if if you're Jerome Powell and you're sitting there in Washington in your meeting, and you're looking at the macro data, whether that's employment, whether that's retail sales, consumer price index, producer price index, I don't want to say he's happy with the data. I'm sure he'd love those inflation measures to be slowing down a lot more than they are, but mm -hmm. they are. The, la the labor market's slowing, consumer spending is slowing, and inflation, core inflation, is starting to come down slowly. So if you're mm -hmm. sitting there from Powell, you're probably thinking, all right, yeah, this, the, we're, we're in good shape here and we can probably stand pat and, and, and hold interest rates where they are for the time being and let the market uh, uh, take inflation lower. So if you believe that, and, and that's what we believe, uh, that's in mm -hmm. our forecast, then the next question is, well, what happens then? And the talk, if, if there was just an article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal today or yesterday about, okay, well, when's the Fed going to start cutting? <laughs> I, I think that discussion's a little bit premature, but we think those cuts happen starting in 2024. We're, we're, it built into our forecast is that the Fed will start cutting maybe June or July of next year. But mm -hmm. we need to be cognizant of the fact that that easing in monetary policy is going to be very slow and methodical. If, if we want to do some quick math here, um, the current Fed funds rate is in a range of five and a quarter to five and a half percent. 
R star or that equilibrium rate for the Fed funds rate, let's to make the math easy, let's call it, it's around two and a half percent, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. So to totally normalize interest rates, the Fed's, are, the Fed's going to have to cut rates by three percentage points. In our forecast, that doesn't happen. That full normalization doesn't happen until early 2026. So if you think about the Fed, you know, we're looking at basically a quarter basis point reduction in the Fed funds rate starting in Q3 and then a quarter basis point each quarter. They're going to take their sweet time on this to make sure they've truly got that inflation monster beat down. So if you believe that, then you think about the impact on the construction sector. And we all know the construction sector is one of the most interest rate sensitive sectors in the economy. So the fact that we're going to be in this high interest rate environment for the foreseeable future really means that that recovery, particularly in residential and those income property types, that recovery is going to be slow and material slow and, and slow to materialize starting in 2024. So if you look at the residential sector, we have units for both single and multi increasing by 3% in 2024. And it's not going to quickly ramp up in 2025 because we're still going to be in this high interest rate environment. So positive to be sure we're seeing growth, but this high interest rates will keep that growth, particularly in the private side of the market, a little bit subdued for 2024. Okay. I I, I, mean, I remember talking about the Fed, I think it was about a year ago at, at mm -hmm. this time. You had said one of the more remarkable quotes, I remember uh, <laughs> along the way, you had said that you felt like uh, the, the Fed was so focused on bringing down inflation that it was, I think, quote, willing to break the back of the U.S. economy yeah. if it had to. And uh, I guess we should all be happy it never came to that. I, you know, I think if there's one thing that's really surprises me when I look back on 2023 as a whole is is everybody, every forecaster that I can think of under forecasted the resilience in the U.S. economy. Mm -hmm. and particularly GDP and consumer spending, it outperformed pretty much through the course of the year. Um, so you're, you're right, you know, that the, the even, I, I don't want to say it's heroic, but, but the fact that the U.S. economy withstood interest rates where they are and aggressive interest rate increases over the last several years and the U.S. economy held pat and continued to grow over that time is really an amazing testament to the strength of, of U.S. businesses and U.S. consumers. Very good. And, and uh, I guess along those lines, just uh, as you say, there, there are always headwinds a lot and intangibles, a lot that we've overcome in the last year or so. And uh, I'm just wondering what you might foresee in the next six months or so. I mean, Goodness, uh, actually, beyond six months, we know 2024 is also an election year. Does that? How does that play into uh, economic forecasting in, in the history of that? Because uh, it's, and we know elections have been particularly wild in, in in recent years too. So, where does that kind of uncertainty uh, figure into uh, into to your outlook for 2024? Yeah, ta tackle the election question first, because that is, uh, it's on everybody's mind, right? It's on every. Mm -hmm. news you you do CNN or Fox, it's on every news source out there, so you can't avoid it. Um, I, I think we need to remind ourselves from the construction perspective as, I'm going to choose my words carefully here, but, but when you think about what drives construction activity from a legislative standpoint, it's not really federal, 
right? Federal certainly drives the bus when it comes to infrastructure and whatnot because they're funding those projects, right? So, and when you look at the Infrastructure Act, it was pretty bipartisan mm-hmm. across. So that's good news, right? So I, I don't think there's any risk there. Even the CHIPS Act was reasonably bipartisan. So if we think about what really matters from an election standpoint, it all matters, of course, but what really matters from a construction standpoint are local and state elections, right? Because that's where zoning decisions are taking place. That's where uh, land use policies are taking place or at the state and local level, not at the federal. So a lot of our attention gets focused on the federal election because it's in the news, but really, I think what matters to us in the construction sector are those most more local and state. But what's the real estate adage? Everything is local, local, local. Right. Well, that's uh, that's a good perspective. And also looking ahead, I'm just I, I know it. There's there's not a metric for it yet. I think in your yeah. in your forecasting, but uh, just as as far as what other kinds of things, certainly you hear about so much um, mm. just technological advances. That, you know, one thing we hear about so much also is artificial intelligence. I think yeah. AFL CIO just signed a deal earlier this week with uh, with Microsoft on developing uh, AI for construction. Are you hearing anything? Uh, uh, that's uh, particularly interesting, I guess, or, or uh, something you couldn't quite have imagined uh, uh, down down the road in, in uh, for 2024 and beyond. Yeah, great question. And and if if you were to put a hundred construction, whether they're contractors, building products, manufacturers, distributors, whoever, if you were to put a hundred of them in a room, excuse me, and you were to ask them what's the biggest risk your business faces in, in currently and and over the next year, they're going to say without a doubt their number one issue is shortages of labor. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge systemic risk that the sector faces as we go forward, right? It's not one that's easily addressable. So technology, I think, can play a huge part in that. And we part of our conference, the Outlook conference that we were discussing there in Dallas, there was a great panel on the digitization of building plans and how new technologies and whether that's AI or other technologies can help streamline the pre-construction side of the business, right? It's hard to have AI on site, right? AI can't build a wall, AI can't do Mm -hmm. plumbing, but AI can help potentially in streamlining the design and specification process, right? So those projects are going to move through quicker to construction start more efficiently, potentially more efficiently and cheaper, right? So that lowers, that that changes the calculus of go, no go. So are we seeing that now? I, I, I don't know if I have insight onto that, quite frankly, but I do think that with the pressure put on the sector by lack of labor, that the there for construction to adopt new technologies. And, and maybe a final point on that is, is if you look around the sector, we're seeing a lot of, I'll call them non-construction tech firms starting to get interested in working in the construction sector. And I think that's a huge, huge positive in terms of increasing productivity and therefore profitability over the next few years. Well, thanks. That's certainly something we will all be keeping an eye on uh, this year. And hopefully we'll be talking again uh, a year from now. And uh, uh, but, Rich, I think that's that's pretty much all we have time for today. But it, it's it's been great talking with you, and I, I think the uh, I really appreciate the, uh, the all the insights you've been able to share with us. And um, where can our listeners get more information? I guess about the about your forecast and and, and download the, the the new ebook. I guess that just came out, right? Where can, where can they find that? Yeah, construction.com is our website. That's the best URL in the game in my business. <laughs> 
you can also go to LinkedIn. We're, we're pretty prolific on LinkedIn. Um, you can search for Dodge Construction Network on LinkedIn or for myself, Richard Branch. I think my handle is Richard Branch and the number one. Um, and, and I share lots of news and information coming out of Dodge and, and would love to connect to people through that. And that ebook is at the construction.com? It, it will be. I, I'm pretty sure it's on construction.com, but it's definitely on the LinkedIn. Okay. Well, thanks again for uh, for your time here today. And thanks, everybody, for, for listening uh, and for joining us on HPAC on the air. Uh, I hope you all have a uh, have had a wonderful and safe holiday season at this point and, and, uh, and can now look forward to a rewarding and meaningful new year. And, uh, and maybe even relax because uh, it sounds like the forecast isn't too bad for, right. for 2024. Thanks so much. We'll see you all next time.